Clytus, I'm bored. What plaything can you offer me today? An obscure body in the SK system, Your Majesty. The inhabitants refer to it as the Helming Power Hour. <laughs> show that lets you scramble an egg while it's still inside of its shell, here's Rick and Danny. Hey, everybody. Yo, yo, yo. What's happening, people? Bring it home. What's going on? Bring it home. Hey, the lady in the red hat. All right. Hey, welcome back to the show, everybody. Welcome to episode 22. We got some Italian slasher flicks coming at you. So put on your black gloves and get ready to hack somebody in the face. <laughs> What's Italy? Welcome back, everyone, to episode 22 of the Hail Ming Power Hour. That's right. Yeah, we're going to talk to you about a couple of Italian horror films that are full of uh, all kinds of esoteric madness. They're, uh, madness. they're crazy. Yeah, it's uh, it's like that that band from the '80s, Madness. Our house in the middle of our street. That band. Yeah, yeah, and and actually, uh, I think Madness came in and helped uh, Dario Argento to write these two films. Uh, the guy with the saxophone, he really liked chimpanzees and. One step beyond. Yeah, and you know they they wanted that ska field, except what would ska slash punk slash new wave B if it were an Italian horror film. There you go. <laughs> now the timing might so, not yeah. work out there. You know, I, I think both of these movies probably took place before Madness, but you know. Yeah. And the great thing about these folks, I mean, if you are a horror fan, there's even a lot of people that don't even know about these movies. So uh, that's why we're talking about these. These are some of my personal favorites. They're from the director Dario Argento. Uh, they call him the Italian Hitchcock. And if you have seen any kind of movie where it's a murder mystery type movie, this is the guy that kind of perfected, you know, this style of movie. So it's going to be exciting to talk about these. So we got some special guests coming on. We're going to have a big time. It's going to be a lot of fun. We'll talk to you in just a few seconds, folks. Yeah, yeah. The Hail Ming Power Hour is brought to you by The Hungry Heifer. We won't serve you a bum steer. And loyal subjects of Mongo like you. Hail Ming! All right, welcome back, everybody. Really, really excited about this show. Love these two movies. We're getting into some Italian horror here with one of my favorite directors, Dario Argento. And to conquer these movies we had to assemble an incredible ensemble of people here so not only do i have my buddy denny bennett with me 
But we got our buddy from last week, Mr. Johnny Krug. What's up, Johnny? What? What? <laughs> What's going on, man? It's awesome to be here, dude. Glad to have Johnny back with us, man. Like we said, he's got an open invitation to come and visit anytime he wants to. So he took the advantage, and here he is to talk about some of his favorite movies, too. I believe he's a big Argento fan as well. Oh, yeah. Carpenter or Argento are my two favorites. All right. And on top of that, how do you get any better to make How this, do you do that, Rick? Uh, how do you do that? You add The Strangler from Scotland. <laughs> I was going to come up with some more names for him like we did last time. (laughs) (laughs) Our good buddy Duncan McLeish is in the house. Yeah, what's up, Duncan? I'm doing great. Thank you very much for having me back. I'm like super excited about this. Um, very much like Johnny, um, my two favourite directors in this genre are Argento and Carpenter. So yeah, you you could not (laughs) have set up anything that would not have made me want to do this show. So there you go. So for you diehard fans of the show. You've got Meatloaf Craven doing a show together for the first time. This is awesome. <laughs> Our make-believe band. We're kind of like the spinal tap of the new generation. <laughs> I'm up to 11. <laughs> up to 11. <laughs> so, yeah, man, super excited about these. Everyone can probably argue about what their favorite Argento movie is. And like I said, for you that don't know, this is what we call a giallo. G-I-A-L-L-O. Like the uh, Bill Cosby approves. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> Watch the movies with the black gloves and the killer going after the people with the puppets. <laughs> you say with the puppets? Yeah. <laughs> yes. Oh man, I can tell this is going to be a blast. <laughs> All right, so to get us into deep red, we have none other. And the incredible radio personality of Casey Kasem. Well, hello. This is Casey Kasem, and I'm here to talk to you about Deep Red. When an English pianist finds a murdered body, he teams up with a female journalist to solve that crime. With psychic powers and mysterious crimes, this blood-soaked mystery is a must-see for one and all. Number 22 on the charts this week, and let's have a good time listening to it. Put it on right now. I don't feel all that bad about my walking impression, though. (laughs) (laughs) You know what? It's hard to wrangle that guy. That's, I mean... I think he. I think he was wearing his bathrobe, and I had a microphone to his face and uh, and, a gu- and a gun to his head. Oh. <laughs> you know what? You know who I would love for you guys to get on the show to do a, a movie synopsis. Frank Sinatra, the uh, guy who does the rap at the beginning of "I Feel for You" by Shaka Khan. <laughs> Shaka Khan. Shaka Khan. Shaka Khan. John Levitz. And by the end, your friends. Your friends. <laughs> He's losing his mind, and I'm reaping the benefits. I'm a British pianist and a reporter trying to solve a crime. Yeah. That's, the that's, thing is, you know, you think you can do an imitation, but then you realize you're just imitating one line. And then when you write something, <laughs> you're like, I don't really know how to do the voice. <laughs> so... All I right. Did. So here we go. Let's dive into this one, man. Uh, Johnny, why do we watch Deep Red? You watch Deep Red because of the the scene with the doll where the guy gets his face crashed against that like fireplace mantle. Yeah. Mm-hmm. 
That yeah. is one of the most brutal, plus creepy. It's it's honestly to this day still creepy. That scene just it's it's very like jolting, and I I like that. I like a scene that is you know forty fifty years old. Man, it's so out of you. odd. The the way the limbs on that little doll move, it, it's like they're fluid. It it's so strange. It, it's like they're flapping. The arms and legs are flapping while it's walking toward that guy, and there's no explanation as to why. Mm-hmm. Right. It- Again, uh, to talk about how influential these movies are, uh, when you see this, the first thing that's going to pop your mind is, hmm, Saul kind of ripped us off. <laughs> <laughs> Just a bit. Just yeah. a tiny, tiny bit. Yeah. I think um, the, the way it's actually set up is the whole reason it's terrifying is that whole scene is dragged out for about three minutes. We hear a noise, the camera's there, it's looking up a hallway, it's looking in a room, it's back to the guy, we hear another noise, and it keeps building that up. So when it, when it eventually happens, it comes from a corner of the room that you're not expecting it to come from, yeah. and it bursts out the shadows. And it, yes, I totally agree with Johnny, it's like, I would say of all the Argento movies he's ever done, it's probably the most terrifying scene that stands up maybe out with Suspiria. I think it just, it still gets me every single time I watch it. And the fact of, I remember, you know, you're talking about uh, when he gets killed in there. I remember seeing the interview with Argento and he was talking about, you know, he said, you shoot somebody in a movie and not many people can relate to that unless you've been shot. Everybody's hit their elbow or hit their teeth on something or, you know, Mm -hmm. hit sharp corners. Those are the things we relate to, getting burned, things like that. And, uh, yeah, this just takes it to another level. <laughs> so uh, that's awesome. All right, Duncan, what you got? Um, Daria Nicolodi, and we're going to speak about her even more in the next movie. My my obsession with with her on-screen presence comes from Phenomena and Deep Red. I think she's... Yep. She's far more playful in this movie than she is in the, the movie we're going to talk about next, but by God, is she gorgeous. Right. I'll probably talk about it more when we get to Phenomena, but uh, man, those glasses, and I think she's so gorgeous in Phenomena. Oh my God, yes. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, and, and you know, one of the things that, that I also was talking about is, is, unfortunately, a lot of these movies lose something because there's just a, a, a deficit in acting talent. You know, anybody who's cast as a secondary or tertiary character is just phoning in their lines. David Hemmings and, uh, and Dario Nicolotti, they, they do a real service to Dario Argento by, uh, mm-hmm. yeah. you know, by doing a great job and not phoning anything in. And, and their, their interaction with them, like you said, is, is super playful and it's really fun to watch. And it makes you care about the characters more than, than a lot of the characters in these movies because they're just... They're doing such a phenomenal job of playing their parts. Right. Well, during that during that time, though, it seemed like uh, Daria or Daria Nicolodi was uh, pretty used to doing a service for Daria Argento. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Hey. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. oh, sorry, that was pretty low. <laughs> hey, who could blame him? It's a me. It's a Dario. (laughs) Oh, now she looks. Now she looks like a a Wolverine attacker. (laughs) (laughs) And she talks like this. Hi, my name is. She does. She she has a deeper voice than any man I know. She's like Tone Loke. Uh, like in my head, I just I, I have this thing that where, where I think that what happened was Aja Argento just like stole her essence, and that's why she's gorgeous now. Yeah. It's like she just like stole her mother's essence and left her as like a like some sort of warped Asian hooker. <laughs> kind of like some is, witches do, right? Like maybe uh, Suspiria is not too far off. Maybe you know, some witches steal the uh, the most powerful witch's essence. 
There you go. Maybe Dario Argento knew all about it. Yeah. Maybe so. Maybe, Maybe go conspiracies. Ah, she did help write the story. That's right. Was she, was she in Dallas that day in '63? <laughs> <laughs> all right, Danny, give us a reason, man. All right. Well, since it hasn't been mentioned yet, and I'm glad for it, my first reason is the lullaby and the phenomenal soundtrack by the oh, Goblins. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yes. I've always called him Goblin because that's what what uh, you know we, we talked about. But like, it looks like according to the the credits, they're the Goblins, which yeah. is fine with me. I mean, the music, as in all Dario Argento movies, it it sets the scene, and sometimes it's a little overplayed. But I think that's just kind of a something you have to get used to with his style of filmmaking. It's very overt. The, the music's loud, but. But the lullaby at the beginning that that makes its way into the movie three or four different places is is legitimately unsettling, right? Mm-hmm. And um, and and you know if it wasn't unsettling enough, like it might you know sound childish. The very first time you hear it, it's it's during a, a really you know gruesome dreamlike murder that occurs. So you kind of tie those things together, and then throughout the movie, there's there's a number of really great like little scores and and uh, and tunes that that help to bring you. Yeah, that help you bring you into the movie and uh, and kind of set the stage. I, just, I say the the music. Yeah, it's it's another reason why this movie was a benchmark movie because it was really one of the first ones that branched out and got away from having a composer write the score. He actually hired a rock band to do the score, and from that point on, movies changed as far as music wise. And uh, so, yeah, huge huge reason for this movie is is the introduction of Goblin doing the soundtracks and from there i mean if you've never listened to goblin stuff go to youtube just pull up some random stuff it's uh it's it's very european is the best way i can say it but uh (laughs) it is super awesome they get stuck in your head time signatures yeah tough tough stuff so there's there's two different kinds of goblin though a lot of people get them confused there's there's the claudio simonetti version of goblin and then there is the uh, daria nicolotti goblin (laughs) <laughs> oh. <laughs> oh. I don't know when it was going that by 100% approved 100% that was brilliant hey, I just gotta say in the immortal words of Yoda when 900 years old you reach look as good you will not <laughs> oh, I think you differ I think if I put on that much makeup when I'm her age I could probably look just like her <laughs> alright uh, I'm going to say the number one reason for me to watch this, and Danny kind of tied into it while ago, is the opening scene of this thing, because you've got the names coming up on the screen, it's just black screen, white letters, and all of a sudden, it breaks off into the lullaby, and the opening setup, you have no idea what you're seeing, and it's just brilliant. It's an image that stays in your mind. I remember Danny, the first time he saw this, and he took it home for Lois to watch. He only let her see the opening scene. Just to say, what do you think about that? <laughs> what a setup for the rest of the movie. It's brilliant. Yeah, I, I agree. I I think that it's it's understated. You know, the whole like shadow with the knife coming down. It's it's almost trite, you know, it's almost silly, but it does such a good job because it it, make, it gives you this dreamy quality. You know, right. it's like way in the past. It's a child's perspective. There's the lullaby going on. And it, it kind of sets the stage for kind of a like I said, kind of a dream. Right. And, uh, you know, then, I don't know, you, you, it, it remains that way. Because there's the whole parapsychology thing. and Right. But that's what I was going to say. The second setup 
is the whole psychic you know scene that's going on as well so like we talked about a couple of weeks ago and uh when duncan was on with us and we were talking about a giallo movie and it's usually a something sets the killer off you know that reflects back to something happened in the past and this is following that same idea yeah, the psychic scene, man. Brilliant, brilliant. Yeah, I think it's. I, I think it's you know, when you first see that scene, you're not entirely sure what angle they're going for. You know whether right. this is, you know, they're going to debunk a psychic on stage, which feels kind of weird that they would try and do that. Are they going to down this kind of supernatural element or or, or whatnot? But then visually this scene is so powerful as well because everything is red it's the deepest red you know i mean just like right from the name profondo rosso as far as the eye can see and the fact that we we have the psychic who centers in on someone who is evil basically who is a killer um it's just this wonderful kind of setup to the beginning of this to the beginning of this story this kind of this crime story that we're going to follow through and I think you were right when you were saying that these movies are lumped into horror and I would say that Argento makes some horror through the violence Right. Um, I think that's why they, they get carried over and I would say that Deep Red really is the first one out of his jallos that he did Deep Red's the first one that I think you can probably comfortably say this is a horror movie Right. Um, I think Four Flies and Grey Velvet or Bird with Crystal Plumage or Cat and Nine Tails I think on those levels they are still very much in the, the kind of crime Hitchcock right. sort of genre right. but when you reach this one there's enough craziness um, enough off the wall stuff, and we were talking about that doll earlier on, which starts to bring it into horror. And this is one of those scenes when we have a psychic. We're starting to deal with kind of supernatural power, so to speak. Um, you know, you're starting to delve into a different world with Argento, um, and that really kicks off. Like all the movies after this, start to right. to have that more surrealist perspective, and I think it's just wonderfully shot. I, I think yeah. he. he Pick the perfect place to shoot. Like back then, I mean, it's not as if they're short of fantastic locations in Italy to shoot. But um, this whole scene is is just it's the imagery, it's the red, it's what the people are saying, it's the looking out to the crowd and can you see someone? Is there who's that in the shadows? You know, it, it's it's just brilliant. I think it's wonderfully shot, and it doesn't really. And we use this as our catalyst to get the killer killing again, okay. but. That's really it's like the the most contrived setup, but in the best possible way. Yeah. And I think I I think I read that Dario Argento, that the, a, a main focus of this whole screenplay turned movie was was that he wanted to explore what would happen if a psychic happened across the mind of a killer, mm-hmm. and that was kind of the you know this this was kind of the catalyst for the whole story. Yeah. That you know, and and obviously it's at the beginning, but you know it it almost lumps in there you, you might you know as the whole thing unfolds you kind of forget where they got on the trail and how many you know, movies have we seen since then that tie into that kind of idea of you know the psychological part of a serial killer and i mean there's tons of movies out there that tie into that so this this kind of was the first that i can think of that that kind of did it this way all right johnny what you got i think the next thing that uh really stands out in this movie and it's kind of a to most people, it's probably a minor thing, but for me, I laugh every time it cuts to a scene, which there are a lot of them, with uh, Daria Nicolodi and uh, I can't think of the dude's name in that little tiny red car. <laughs> <laughs> the, the character's name is Mark, and yeah, David Hemmings. I kept calling him David Jones, and 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 uh, and Rick. Uh, 
Rick fixed that for me. He was like, oh, you mean David Hemmings? And I was like, well, usually I'm the one correcting him on people's names. But you know, that, I was like, well, does, okay. Does he have a locker? Does he have a locker? Well, it's Davy Jones' locker. There you go. Hemmings. I was thinking more of the monkeys, obviously. Because, I mean. Yeah. <laughs> Little Davy Jones. <laughs> except since the guy could actually play the piano, I guess. And probably not. Um, but, but yeah, I, I agree. Like, I have in my, my reasons. Gianna's car is, is my number three. Because, like, you know, the, the seat falls down underneath him and he can't yeah. lock the door or, you know, he's got to crawl out the driver's side. And 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 then there's the arm wrestling the scene arm between wrestling the two of them, too. Yeah. Where, where he says, well, you know, women are stronger than men. And he's a scrawny little guy. She's like, all right. She slams her elbow down on the table. He's like, what, 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 what's that for? She's like, well, Indian wrestles, what she calls it, right? Yeah. And then, like, and th- those scenes are just straight out of, you know, bringing up baby or, you know, the Audrey Hepburn and, uh, on just, just <laughs> on golden, but you know, all those scenes between the two of them, they're, they're fantastic. And they bring like, they, they bring a, a humanity to the whole thing. And it, it isn't just from murder scene to murder scene because the two of them are so funny. Yeah. But what oh, about yeah, they're, the they're definitely in the levity. Yeah, for sure. You know what? What about the scene where where he's in? He's on the telephone, and he's trying to call her and tell her something. And the guy right next to him is making espressos, or, or, oh, or yeah. uh, and it's, <laughs> he's like, "Do you really have to do that right now?" He's like, "Why is the phone right here next to?" Him? He even asks it out loud. He's like, "Why is the phone right here?" <laughs> it's it's hilarious. I laughed out loud alone yeah. in the dark. <laughs> one, one more to throw into <laughs> one more to throw into that is the eating inspector. This guy's great, man. I mean, every time you turn around, if you watch the Italian cut of this, they cut some of it out for the American version. But you know, this guy comes to witness the the, the crime scenes, and he's just eating a sandwich, trying to talk. He's got his mouth full of food. You know, he's hilarious, man. I think it just ties in to exactly what you're talking about. It it uh, just gives it a different angle. Yeah, I think something that you were saying as well is depending on which cut you see of Deep Red, the tone goes in a different direction. Um, like the Italian cut of this movie is, you know, it has a lot more, I, if I'm getting it right, it has a lot more levity in it. There's a lot more to yeah. laugh at it and, and those interactions. The American cut, because it was made for an American audience and they, they wanted to kind of streamline it, make it a bit more brutal, a lot of that is actually taken out the yeah. movie and so it focuses more on the more on the violence right. um, which is a really interesting choice it, it's almost as if you know what they're saying is you know we, we need to we can't have a horror movie for Americans that's you know that has comedy in it because they'll not get it which yeah. doesn't make any sense because some of the greatest horror comedies of all time are American movies that's so right. it's, it's really really weird how they did that and also like on some level kind of really does set up the idea of you can see why slasher movies became so huge in America in such a short period of time because these are basically the, the kind of proto slashers they, a lot of the, the kind of slasher stuff comes from these movies so you can see by stripping all that out streamlining it down making it more violent is almost a precursor for what you're going to get for the next five years when that when that boom starts to happen absolutely in those movies. duncan next reason and um, this one has of all the argento 
like we were talking about jalotropes earlier on, and one of the jalotropes is glove killers. Um, the other yep. one is traumatic event in the childhood, which comes back to you know basically bite the killer in the ass and make them want to kill again. Um, the third thing that all jalos have is, or all our gentle jalos have, is that someone will have our main character, our person investigating, will have seen something, and they'll spend the entire movie trying to recall what they have seen. It's usually oh, yeah. done out at the end, and that's what the real the reveal of the killer is and a lot of them for me are the endings of these movies become so ludicrous because the yeah. the recollection and the memory is so ludicrous this one is the best one out of all the movies he does right um purely right. because it's there in the movie like yeah. if like once you've seen this movie when you go back to the beginning of this movie again right. and having dvds and blu-rays makes that a whole lot easier than it was when you had vhs right. um but the fact you can jump right back to the scene, the faces in the mirror yeah. right from the very start always is there. So then by the time you get to the end of this movie and you see that, the clues have always been there in the movie. Yeah. I think that's brilliant. It I think really it's very, is. very cool. And that's, it's really well executed. That's the thing that really stands out to me about this movie is you actually go back and check it out because you're like, how did I miss that? And it's there. And it's just brilliant. Yeah, so, so a little story about that. Rick showed me this movie. And I, we were watching it at lunch when we used to work together. We went to his house. We were watching it. And and uh, when that scene in came up, I said. <laughs> in the dark. Yeah. And I, and I was laughing and crying. <laughs> um, but, but yeah, that scene came up and I said, hey, what was that around that corner? And he goes, what? I said, there was a face right there in the corner. Like, and I saw it I, and I didn't know what I was seeing. But yeah. but he but he blew it off and like didn't say because he knew if 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 he told me what it was obviously he was giving everything away, but yeah I, I saw it when we first walked through it and and I and I have a special connection with this movie because every time I see it I'm like I caught that, and and it's great because it is I mean they you know a lot of times they'll give you a a clue that you couldn't possibly use to figure anything out, <laughs> but th- this is a significant clue yeah. and it's right there for you to see if you notice it yeah yeah. Definitely, I think I think it's brilliant. I, I think it's out of all these movies, I think this is the one that gets it right. I think the, the ones before are a bit tough to swallow, and the ones that come after, even though I, I love these movies and I love the endings, I love how ludicrous some of the endings get. I think this is the one that's pitched perfect, and he never he never quite gets it. Yeah, the same. Um, and in fairness, you can't really. If he'd went away and done this like a similar sort of setup at the end, all these other movies would be compared to Deep Red. So I know why he doesn't do it because he's done that. Why would he do it again? But it just works perfectly. Danny, my next reason is the little psycho girl. Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah. When he go, he's 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 found a plant that leads him to a house, and he's he's going there, and the landlord's talking, and his little girl is crazy. <laughs> and and it's it's it doesn't really factor in anything other than you know all the red herrings that start showing up near the end. So you don't it keeps you off balance as to who the killer really is. But there's a little girl who is putting pins through lizard lizards' heads. Yeah, and they're and they're you know and and it's there's no there's no uh, you know safety for animals on this set. I mean it's really happening. But and I don't like that. But at the same time, it really paints. It's a it's a really disturbing portrait. Yeah. I love the fact that the dad just walks up and slaps her, and you don't even know why. And then it shows yeah. why. And you're just like, what the crap is going on here? He just walks up and smacks her across the face and says, you know, well, I can't remember what he says. It's, it's anything but, you ungodly warlock. <laughs> 
but he smacks her, and then she just kind of grins back at him, you know? And then it shows yeah. what she did. So you're right, man. She is nutso. She's like it's, one it's of the little kids from Bloody Birthday. Right. Very much. She's a little bastard. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and she's also in the next the next episode we're going to do, she's actually in the the first Demons movie. I don't know if you knew that or not, Danny. She's the uh, the girl at the beginning, the red, the long red head girl. It's pulling up her dress, putting the lipstick on and stuff. That's this little That's girl. That's her. Yeah. Really? Uh, she she grew up pretty nicely. Yeah. I didn't. I didn't make that connection. I mean, yeah, she she's a cute girl, and like we talked about, they're trying to recycle as many of those actors as they can. Yeah. She um, can pierce my lizard any day. <laughs> Help me. <I'm> a- <laughs> Johnny, have you seen that scene? Because I don't, I don't think you want that. <laughs> and some people pay for that, I guess. Right. Um, yeah. <laughs> so, oh, just to review, we are at one through nine of reasons to watch Deep Red. And allow me to tell the layman out there who haven't seen these movies, because we've gotten a little deep into to the history, the filmmakers. The reasons to watch these movies are the reasons you should look for. This one is a good one for beginners because it does have great acting in it compared to the others, especially. And it's got the levity. It's it's also for free currently on YouTube and a really great uh, version of it. You know, maybe not by the time you, you hear this, but, you know, check it out. So when we got the doll scene, uh, there's a creepy doll scene where there's a murder directly following a really strange uh, puppet that appears out of nowhere, and it's just a really unsettling scene. Two is Dario Nicolodi, who, again, is gorgeous in this and a lot of fun, and her acting's great. Uh, third, you got the score. The the music in it is, is typical of these movies. It's fast-paced. It's interesting. And fourth, you got the opening scene. You got the murder, the shadow casting, Five, you got the parapsychology panel. (laughs) (laughs) And just a little note on the soundtrack. Uh, John Carpenter even said when he was making Halloween, he wanted to do a soundtrack. He literally took the idea of the song from, from Deep Red and... And that's how he came up with the famous Halloween score was trying to mimic this song a little bit. Well, mm-hmm. and and probably the intro scene in the parapsychology thing is a is a first person walk through the curtain that's really similar to the intro scene to Halloween. Yeah, right. I mean it's it's you know every every bit of that. Um, number six, you got levity between Mark and Gianna. Uh, you know the the humor that's in it and keeps you going. There's the eating inspector is number seven. Um, Eight, you know, Duncan pointed out in Giallo's, you have the childhood trauma, the glove killer. And in this one, you have a clue that's 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 a really significant clue that's given to you early on. And number nine is where we're up to the little psycho girl. Yeah. So just wanted to recap for everybody. So and we can go on to 10. Well, to me, what I love about this movie. And now if, if we did this any other way, anywhere else. And we make fun of this in other movies that we've talked about on here. But this is the only movie where the, the killer carries their own soundtrack with them. <laughs> I love that idea. The killer always takes this cassette player back in the day. I don't know if it's called cassette. It's some big, almost it's, like it's a real track. to real. It's kind of a real to real, but it's a very small handheld version. And uh, right before they start hacking and slicing, the, the victim 
Here's the song, which is... It's just some creepy stuff. So when you hear that, that's when you say, here comes old sausage legs. We got to leave. <laughs> hey, and, and, old, and old Davy Jones, man, he's in his house alone composing, and that comes through the event. <laughs> and, I, and I love this guy. believer and I, homecoming. What's that noise? <laughs> I, I love it. I love it because, like, the first thing, he runs over to the phone, and doesn't he call Gianna? He's like, hey, some, somebody's coming to get me, and I'm really scared. That whole piano scene is intense, man. He's trying to pretend like he knows somebody's in the house, and he senses it. He hears the song, and he's just playing away, and he's trying his best to act like. And we've all been there. You've ever been in a situation where you just felt like you heard something, and you tried to carry on, even though you don't really want to go investigate? It's that kind of thing. So he's just trying to play and listen Act like, you know, he's not paying attention to throw anything off. And then he grabs a statue that's behind him, which is basically a bird head. (laughs) So he's trying to find a weapon to protect himself. And then he makes a mad dash to the door because the phone rings. And the door tries to open. And he shuts it and holds the door. And he's trying to answer the phone. And here's a voice on the other side saying, I'll get you eventually. It's that's a great it's creepy. Scene. <laughs> great scene. Super creepy. I, I, I love it because th- this movie, the fact that you can focus on so many of these different scenes as a test, like as a testament to how really well shot acted and written the movie is, even though by the end of it, it's completely bonkers. Yeah. Um, Still not as bonkers as Phenomena, but it's completely bonkers the way it goes. But there are these tremendous set pieces that, you know, had the... Just one of these existed in any horror movie, you'd be talking about that one scene. The fact that, you know, Deep Red gives you so many of them um, and doesn't just put them in just purely to get that reaction. They actually all really work really well together in terms of how the the script's placed. And David Hemmings... In any other scenario that you know, this this actor is kind of over the top and and kind of campy, and like we said earlier on, really does kind of take the role quite seriously. Yeah. And in these scenes, like you you do actually get this feeling from him that he is petrified, and I think that's fantastic as well. Of course, he was in uh, another movie called Blow Up, which is a classic as mm-hmm. well. So. You can't go wrong with that one either, but he's just a great actor. He was in Gladiator, uh, Barbarella. I mean, so the guy's got an excellent track record, and he's just a he's a really well-rounded actor, no doubt about yeah. it. Johnny, you got another reason? I would say uh, the movie, uh, even though it's kind of a long movie and stuff, and it's it's got pretty decent pacing, I would say the uh, when the violence actually hits, the violence is pretty brutal. Oh, I really like the brutality of the violence. I mean, the last two deaths in this movie are just insane. Right, right. <laughs> we we can't go too much farther without bringing up the the steam reveal of the killer. Like oh the, yeah, yeah. So, the boiling water drowning sequence, which and is just like subs- Halloween two. Halloween two kind of borrowed that idea. Mm-hmm. That's a great. It, it's a great gimmick. 
I mean, yeah. somebody writes something in the steam and then the, the steam goes away. And so you have to like reheat the water to, to bring it back up. And it's a great clue. It's a, yeah. it's a fantastic little device. So you get the psychic friend. I guess he's a psychologist as well. But he kind of looks like a cross between Oliver Reed and Grizzly Adams. And, uh, <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, that's, a, that's pretty good, actually. It, well, it does look like that. But, uh, you know, and he's, he's let's not un- underestimate him either. He's a great character in this movie, man. And uh, so he's going and trying to do some searching as well because these clues, his, his, you know, uh, the other psychic got killed and he's wanting to find out what's happened as well. And he's the one that finds the, the you know, where the lady has been plunged into the water. And, and uh, it's hard to talk about this and not give anything away. We want you to check this movie out and not spoil it too much for you. Johnny's right. Those, those two are just incredible uh they're good all the way through but those last those two, two are, are just, very brutal oh man <laughs> we we can't bring that guy up without saying we must hide everything everything in the house <laughs> and and forget it forget it forever <laughs> and, he goes, and that guy repeats that scene oh god <laughs> I, I think yeah i think that's what she said it's like that's like somebody trying out for the high school play right there, man. That's, that's we must hide everything, everything in the house. But it's great. It's I love so the good. fact that there is a library of folklore and family tradition. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it's like, oh, well, maybe you should try the, the library of folklore and family tradition. Yeah, that's, uh, yeah, that's right here real close. Hide everything. <laughs> everything in the house. <laughs> the next thing we got to go to is, it's poor Carlo. Yeah. Oh yeah. I mean, that guy wasn't even killed by a killer. He just ran into a dump truck and then got dragged for three blocks. And then got I mean, it was like that. That guy could have been involved in, like, you know, he could have been walking his dog, and he's he just barely steps out in the road, and a street sweeper grabs him and drags him down the street. He's ah 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 for for three blocks, and then was straight just, up bases of death stuff. Yeah. Right. I mean, <laughs> He, he could have been involved in a murder. He might not have been involved in a murder. He still got killed, man. It's uh, kind of the thing is um, Argento's previous Jalo, uh, Four Flies in Grey Velvet, has a killer that dies yeah. like in a, a pretty nasty like car accident, right. like really bad car accident. That he kind of revisits it, but somehow manages to make this one more effed up. <laughs> uh, when you watch it, it's like he takes that. He, he, I don't know how. I, honestly, sometimes I just think the guy is an absolute genius. Yeah. Um, like on a completely different level when it comes to to just the uh, the art of making people die on screen. Uh, we're talking about how Johnny mentioned that, like the the violence in this movie, and you know how the deaths just get progressively more gnarly and vicious, and. I think it's worthwhile mentioning, like as as one of the points that this basically this movie comes out of Argento's failure. Like all the great right. Argento movies, yeah. kind of come out of like a failure that he had in the previous movie. That this wasn't a horror movie or a giallo or anything. It was called Five Days in Milan, and it was a comedy, right. <laughs> comedy drama, and it bombed. Yep. No Italians wanted to see it. They wanted to see Argento do giallo. And he Boy, went he. away. <laughs> yeah, he went away for a wee bit, a couple of years, and came back. And like, not only came back with a giallo, but he reinvented his own rules. So yeah. he takes Bava. Bava sets the template for the kind of Hitchcock 
sort of storyline adapted into Italian cinema. Argento builds on that, and then Argento then builds on what he's done, and then raises the bar to an insane level with with, with Deep Red. So I I think that's, I think, like, Argento, I, I, I... I, I know we all love him, right? But yeah. I, I think it's uh, he's one of the most important directors, not only in European cinema, but I think in cinema in general, because he is so ahead of the curve yeah. on on everything, like uh, lighting, score. Think about how important that became in getting like bands to come. I mean, they're still doing it. Right. Uh, you know, like one band or one artist will now score a movie. He was doing that back in the seventies. Yeah. Um, it just, just like- becomes it just. Oh, it just becomes incredible, and it's all Argento. Like, Arge- you know, if Argento hadn't have went through that failure in the previous movie, I don't think Deep Red would be as vicious as it is. To me, the Italians, just like you said, were so far ahead of everybody else. They were kind of the originators. Scream is a giallo. Mm-hmm. It is. Yeah. It's it's reflecting back to these movies, without a doubt. You think about the impact of Scream that we think that it has, which it did its own little twist on it, but... When you compare it, it's a giallo. Yeah, I think we're sitting on about twelve reasons, and I didn't include Carlo. I just had to had well, to give a shout out to him. Yeah, I mean, well, he's another Argento favorite, uh, Gabriel uh, Lavia, and he's in several mm-hmm. things at this at this point. He's a great actor too, man. He's really good. And when, and it's true. Whenever you like get tar or oil or something on your hand, you you, you want to wash it with Lavia soap. <laughs> Whack whack! <laughs> Isn't that the soap with like the the orange smell and the sand in it? Or yeah, that's the sand awesome. yeah. Made with pumice. We got the doll scene. We got Daria Nicolotti. We got the score. We got the opening scene, murder. We got the parapsychology seminar. We got levity between Mark and Gianna. We got the eating inspector. We have the giallo killing with the actual clue at the beginning. We got the psycho girl. We got the killer tape that's played that plays the lullaby. We have extra brutal killings at the end just for everybody. And then um, we talked for quite a bit about those things in general. I think we are all the way up to the end. Well, So I think we can talk about the end without giving it away. You've got a couple of things here. You've got clues that lead you to a so-called haunted house. And something doesn't jive between visiting the house and looking at the pictures from back in the day. There's a reveal that there's something that has changed in the house. We're forgetting the kid's artwork that he finds that is another clue that's just... What a scene. You know, the fact of him scraping the wall and seeing something under the paint and finds this picture. And that's another clue that leads to other things that happen later on. And right at that point, he doesn't scrape enough away. You know, a piece breaks away as he's going away and he thinks he sees the whole picture, but he doesn't. Yeah. Yeah. And then you've got one of my favorite scenes is during the big kind of showdown and uh, (laughs) there's the shootout kind of scene. And then our inspector that eats all the time goes, Oh man, there's a hole in my jacket. (laughs) 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 It's like, I'm not worried about a guy shot at me. He just ruined my favorite jacket. So, <laughs> and then it's, and, I love the whole, yay, we got the killer. And then it's like, oh, wait a minute. We might have just the made The sanitation a department got the killer. <laughs> I've just got a warning for everyone out there listening. There's a scene where Mark, the British tourist pianist, is trying to break into this house. He's crawling along a ledge, and the ledge <laughs> gives way. Just fast forward. If you have any ability to fast forward, Fast forward about three and a half minutes 
That, no. That's just my personal. That's no. my personal. I love I, it because I love the crazy music going on right there. With the, yeah, I was gonna pew, say, it's, pew, it's got this pew, music pew, like pew, pew. the music reminds you that you're still there watching him like hanging on the same like five inches of ledge, <laughs> just like he was a minute ago, just like he was the minute before. How about and the now, fact? That, <laughs> how about no, the fact that just, he stands under that window and looks up, and a piece of glass falls and hits him in the face? <laughs> like I hate this house. <laughs> yeah. I just, you know, there there might be a point there where you tap out. You're like, you know what? This is this is enough. Yeah. And I, I'm just warning. This is that that's for me. It doesn't necessarily reflect the Hailming Power Hour views, but uh, it is a personal view of mine. I, well, I say without a doubt, watch the Italian version, even though it's a little freaky because one minute one lady is speaking German, the next minute they're speaking Italian. <laughs> one minute it's English. It kind of throws you a little bit with that. But I think it adds so much more to the movie if you actually get to see com- the complete cut that way. So, just my my personal opinion. And the ending of this movie, it's incredible. It's one of the greatest <laughs> endings. It's one of the greatest endings of movies, period. And there's and- no way to describe this without ruining it. But you'll never see the reveal and the kill and the credits <laughs> happen any faster in any movie than what you see in the last, I don't know, 30 seconds of this movie? Except maybe at the end of the next movie we're going to do. But yeah, yeah, I mean... Or Sleepless. I mean, when you get to Sleepless, it's oh, like the credits yeah. start rolling <laughs> immediately. Right. Yeah, That's true. Yeah, it, it could just flip a card that says the end. I mean, that's right. how fast it comes around. Argento <laughs> yeah. is a huge fan of Hammer Horror, and that's how Hammer Horror films used to finish. Like yeah. my, my favourite example of that is uh, To the Devil a Daughter, and right at the end of that, there's this vortex for Satan. Right. You know, it's all psychedelic and all the rest, and Christopher Lee's being all Christopher Lee in the vortex, trying to you know, get them to go. The woman grabs a, a piece of flint stone, throws it, hits him over the head with it, the vortex stops, and then the movie ends, like straight away, like in the space of a space of 10 seconds of him getting hit in the head with a bit of flintstone the credits roll was it Sybil, Sybil Danning she the one that hit him in the head with the rock yeah she has <laughs> <laughs> she, you know the, the him and both and Baba both grew up you know loving and emulating hammer horror so a lot of our gentle movies just finish with that abrupt ending and I kind of like that yeah. I don't think I'd like after after the killer's dead do we then want to see him leave Italy and say goodbye everyone not really I just like that the, the killer's dead all is well end and so. I love that it, I love that too it, the version I had says uh, <laughs> you have been watching Deep Red yeah Which, <laughs> I love that. yeah it, it does that you've been watching Deep Red and I I mean that's a precursor to as it almost has the same impact as you've been watching Suspiria because Suspiria is such an experience right. that when that happens at the end, it's almost like it's almost like coming off a roller coaster. You know, you, you've just you've just been on the, the Tower of Terror. It's that sort of it's that sort of <laughs> idea. It's this kind of this massive kind of yes, I have. Yeah, I've just watched Deep Red. <laughs> High five, bro. Um, right. So yeah, I, I think I think that's I think that yeah I think that's the ending, the ending to Deep Red is just mental. I, I, I absolutely yep. adore it. Yeah. Do you even Deep Red, bro? Filming. Oh, that needs to become a thing. It is now. <laughs> we we just created it. it. Is now. <laughs> so 
So if you're out there and you haven't seen Deep Red, do yourself a favor. I mean, I, really, in in some of these, I might say you can you can go through some of it, but it really carries the whole movie. It's a complete package. It's a great starter for for Dario Argento, in my opinion, right. just because it's it's missing some of the things in the other ones that might turn you off if you're just not familiar with what he does. And the whole thing is done really well. I say it's rating time. I'm gonna give it ten hatchets in the shoulder. Ooh. Ooh. I think I'm going to give it 15 impaled lizards. Oh. <laughs> 12 creepy clockwork dolls coming from the corner. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, I think I'm going to give it a... <laughs> oh, why did they even have this machine next to my microphone? <laughs> oh, Brian yeah. Blessed, what do you think of Deep Red? Die! Absolutely, no doubt about it. So, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, some music drumming up behind him, it just kind of cut off. Let's see if we can. Let's see. Let's see. Uh. <laughs> Brian Blessed, what do you think of Deep Red? Die! <laughs> <laughs> Alright folks, we'll be right back. This program is about unsolved mysteries. Whenever possible, the actual family members and police officials have participated in recreating the events. What you are about to hear is not a news broadcast. Tonight, we are on the lookout for a murderer, a serial killer who is struck several times, a psychic hit in the head by a meat cleaver, then shredded by broken glass, a woman chopped to pieces by a meat cleaver, a woman scalded to death by hot water in her own bathtub, a man whose face was shoved into a fireplace and coffee table, knocking teeth out, and then stabbed in the back of the neck. Join me. Perhaps you may be able to solve a mystery. Alrighty, alrighty. Welcome back. We're going to talk about our second Argento movie for this show. It is called Phenomena. Do, 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 do. Phenomena. Do, 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 do. <laughs> Phenomena. Do, 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 you know where I'm going with it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <it> <laughs> like a phenomena. Something like a phenomena. Is that what we're doing? We're just, yes. Are we doing that? Oh, that's cool. Then. Cool. I was just, was I was just giving you lots of rope, man. Just, just let you go. <laughs> I'm not reeling you back in on that one. <laughs> so yeah, man, this movie is awesome. I think this may be the first one that Danny and I watched together. Um, I'm trying to remember. This movie's bonkers, folks. We actually had problems deciding which movie to do first, but this one's got so much crazy, over-the-top stuff. It's all, it's almost like it's as crazy as pieces, but it works. Yeah, I, I, That's the best way I can describe it. It's just as nuts as pieces is, 
But Argento somehow reels it in and makes you go, hmm, okay, <laughs> I'll buy it. It's weird because fundamentally it's it's a jalo. So right. fundamentally it's about, it's about a killer that we don't see that is killing people. Um, you know, and we have to try and investigate and work out through someone who is an outsider um, what's going on. But the fact he adds this weird kind of supernatural, you know, ability to control the bugs and it kind of then starts to move it into Suspiria territory. Right. And it's like some sort of weird hybrid of the two. And I think that's why it's so bonkers. You've got kind of the fantasy fairy tale thing too, almost kind of Pan's Labyrinth-ish kind of feel yeah. about it too. It's got just a weird mix of stuff. Yeah, it comes from all different angles and I, I, like, I actually think it's probably one of his most creative movies I agree. overall. Yeah, I think it's. And he's never tried to make another movie like Phenomena, where he's tried to make, you know, he tries to make Deep Red again in Tenebrae, or you know, he tried to make Suspiria again in something like Inferno. Um, this this one is one that is is totally unique in the right. the kind of Argento back catalogue. For the, the American listeners, this also was the title that was titled uh, uh, Creeps, right? Creepers. 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 Sorry, Creepers. Yeah. So some of you but the may thing have about seen the Creepers cut, oh, the Creepers cut was actually it cut like forty minutes out of the movie. So as much as that, yeah, you can't really follow it in the Creepers cut. Yeah, Jesus. Back when it came out and they Americanized it, they they butchered it and cut it down a whole lot. So you may have seen part of this movie <laughs> <laughs> in a movie called Creepers, right? So, <laughs> well, to give us a, a synopsis, <laughs> oh boy, oh, Lord. <laughs> 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 the synopsis. We have uh, Patrick Stewart. Hello, this is Patrick Stewart. You may know me as Professor Charles Xavier and Captain Jean-Luc Picard of the Starship Enterprise. I'm here to talk to you about phenomena. Make it so. In this film by Italian director Dario Argento, the daughter of a famous actor who can commune with insects, an entomologist and a chimpanzee must solve a string of murders perpetrated by a killer with a knife on a long pole. That is, if her sleepwalking doesn't kill her first. Enjoy the movie, guys. <laughs> I, lo- I love that. An entomologist, a monkey, and a woman that sleepwalks has to solve a mystery. That seems like my Friday night outs on the pubs. I- I decided that that the that the plot was weird enough without me adding stuff. So, <laughs> <laughs> all right, let's get this thing rolling. Duncan, give us a first reason. Oh, it's got a chimpanzee wielding a blade. <laughs> like that's, that, there's, there's, a, there's an armed chimpanzee. This chimpanzee's packing heat. That <laughs> uh, that that in itself is is an, oh, I, It's just so. Wonderfully bizarre. It's just it's a tale so, of vengeance. It's, it's vengeance. Yeah. It really, it's like so so strange. I, I, and I kind of love it because of it. I, I love the fact that at some point Argento decided he wanted a monkey in this movie, yeah. and he wanted this monkey to be armed. Well, and there, I mean, there's there's a beautiful foreshadowing that happens regarding that chimpanzee, where where Donald Pleasant says, "Whenever I put my laser on something, she never forgets it." Yeah. Right. And and then the and then the killer gets the laser on its on its face and yeah. the chimpanzee never forgets it. There you <laughs> go. Also, 
also, there was, some for, there was some foreshadowing earlier, too, because, you know, the monkey has the straight razor, and earlier in the movie, right. you see it shaving. Shaving. <laughs> <laughs> right turn, Clyde. <laughs> oh, do you think that Argento saw, like, every which way that Lucy do all that, I need to have a Clyde in my movie? I couldn't afford an orangutan, so I got a chimpanzee. Like, Pleasance would not work beside an orangutan. It's like, something smaller. <laughs> I will work with small animals um, and insects. And we're like, let's get a chimpanzee. That's amazing. And hey, what do you imagine if you replaced uh, Donald Pleasance with, with Clint Eastwood in a wheelchair? <laughs> Clint Eastwood in a Scottish accent? <laughs> oh, man, that'd be rough. Amazing. Make it happen. <laughs> All right. Well, I know I'm going to catch some flack for this, but uh, I've got to throw it out there. I'm, I'm going to go throw it. It's not a reason to watch it. If you are first to watch Phenomenon, I would like for you to watch it. So I'm going to give you this advice: go straight to the last 30 minutes of Phenomenon. Watch the last 30 minutes of Phenomenon. If you want to know why the things that happen happen in the last 30 minutes, go back and watch it from the beginning. <laughs> Because from the last the last thirty minutes of Phenomenon, are a great movie all in themselves. Yeah, yeah. And and you don't always really have an explanation as to why things are happening, but some of it's in the movie. Whereas if you try and like slog through the first part of it, you might end up turning it off. So just go to the last thirty minutes of Phenomenon, watch of it from there. It's solid. One of the main reasons I love the Italian stuff is because of that very reason. It's like, dialogue? Who needs dialogue? Uh, we just want to show something you've never seen before. Um, yeah, I mean, they really don't care if it makes sense or not. Just show me something different. That's and, uh, Argento, though, isn't it? Yeah. Argento, famously. And that's why his movies, the later you get on in his career, the, the movies, the acting becomes a bit more ropey. Um, the story makes a little less sense, but the the technicality, you know, the technical prowess behind the camera or the kills become, like, remarkable. They, they move to levels, like, they're highly inventive, and that's because that's the part that interests them. Once again, very much like his, you know... The, the people that, that that came before him, Bava was exactly the same. Filchi's exactly the same. Right. It's, it's this idea of they become more interested in the mechanism behind making the movie and and creating experiences that people have never seen before right. than they do about script and acting. They, they're yep. secondary in the in the, the filmmaking process to them, which is insane. But yep. it kind of makes them wholly unique. That's why we're still talking about these movies all these years later. They they mm-hmm. still have those moments that you'll never forget. You could, just like what Danny was saying, you could tell somebody what happens in the last 30 minutes of this movie, and they wouldn't believe you. Yeah. <laughs> Sometimes you can even show it to people, and they don't believe what they're seeing. <laughs> so it's just that kind of movie, folks. Normally, we would have a bunch of hell mings going on, but... This movie is not going to need them, man, because this movie is just nuts. But I love it. My first reason is is the very opening scene, man. Not necessarily her getting off the bus and stuff, but the scissors in the hand scene. You know, the first mm-hmm. kill is just great. I mean, the, the, her just the, killing his own daughter. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, it is. It's that's his uh, daughter, who's also in Demons. Yeah, yeah Fior. 
Yeah. The opening scene is great, folks. And Argento's just on a roll at this point where he's going to set up, hit you over the head at the very beginning, and then drag you through these stories and just make you beg for mercy by the end of it. So, uh, great opening scene in this one. Johnny, what you got? I, I you know, this is kind of, I mean, this, it's hard for me to say this is a reason to watch it, but it is. <laughs> um, my favorite all time uh, Iron Maiden album is Power yes. Slave. You, my man. And, and every time the freaking killer comes on scene, <laughs> Flash of the Blade plays yeah. during the stalking scenes, and it is bad freaking ass. <laughs> yeah, man, I love it. Yep. My every time you hear that guitar riff, come on. Oh, yeah. I'm telling you, man, it really gets you like amped up when the like, chases are going on because you're like, man, you know something bad's really about to happen. Yeah, when you break out oh, yeah. the maiden, you bet to get killed. <laughs> and, and the soundtrack in general is really good. I mean, it has a lot of, I mean, besides the Goblin score or Claudio Simonetti, it also has a lot of like really good bands from back then. I got Motorhead, right? Yep. That's the opening. This thing haunts you too, man. It gets stuck in your head. Yeah. That's killer. <laughs> she needs to be singing about a monkey, man. <laughs> Maybe that's what it is. It's the the chimpanzee opera. And I, I can't believe that Dario Argento did the vocals for that too. Hell, <laughs> man. <laughs> Uh, Flash of the Blade, great song put in it. I mean, like it, it just adds to the strangeness of it too. Because it's like here you're watching a movie, all of a sudden it's a music video of Jennifer Connelly walking down a hallway, sleepwalking, and Flash of the Blades playing, you know, and you're safe to and enjoy then you cut to the killer, you know, and you always kill the beast. <laughs> Danny, what you got? All right, well, you know, I'm all over the place with this, but um, a reason to watch for in the movie is like Greta. That's right. Donald Pleasance, every time anything comes up about the killer, he's going to take a minute and he's going to look down at the ground and he's going to say, oh, she's missing, like Greta. <laughs> Greta was this girl that he apparently knew from, you know, months and months ago, and she went missing. And, man, her memory re- really haunts him. He's even got her jacket. <laughs> he's like, oh, put on Greta's jacket. It fits you. Like, it fit Greta. <laughs> He knows, he knows he knows this because he's been trying to stretch it out like Chris Farley in the fat man in little coat. <laughs> fat guy in little coat. <laughs> uh, yeah, but I I gotta put it in there because yeah. it's just so weird. It's you hear just the so lot. weird. <laughs> Duncan. Um there is a small uh, performance in this movie. Um by Michelle Suave, Savi, yeah, Suave, Savi, Suave, <laughs> um, which which I love, um, because it's just as like for the the deep cut uh, Italian horror nerds, um, if when you clock it, you're like, oh yeah, and then, I mean this movie you're talking about the the bitching soundtrack and all the rest, same year as Demons, right? Um, which like also kind of it's like. I, I, I don't know. It's like some sort of weird companion piece that both the soundtracks just became bitch yep. and metal um, compilations. Um, but yeah, he's he, he's in this one, and for no other reason than this guy directed like some of my all-time favorite movies, which yep. sit along. You know, he was he, he trained under. Um, 
Argento and went on to to have like a, a fantastic kind of short career. But you know when you're looking at something like uh, like Stage Fright or the or the Church or Cemetery Man, right. dear God, I love Cemetery Man. Yeah. Uh, it's cool to see him. It's like I always say about this particular time period in Italian cinema. It's this idea of family. Everyone helps out each other, so you have collaborations. Um, between the Bavas and Argento and Argento and Suave and I just I think it's uh, I think it's, it's very very cool and one of those nerd things we're like oh it's right. Michelle's <laughs> <laughs> who, who did he play in this he plays one of the detectives yep, he's one of the, detectives. the really talky det- detectives one of the other guys the, the, the one that's kind of more quiet oh, um, okay. he's the one that shows up in the hot air balloon Helming. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, but yeah, I, and for all you uh, listeners out there, if you go and listen to Podcasts Under the Stairs, we actually got to share some love for Suave uh, yeah. a while back. Let's we swap talked some about Suave. Yeah, we talked yeah. about Stage Fright, which is so awesome. I think so. he's. I think he genuinely is one of one of those weird enigmas of a director who could have, like, after Cemetery Man, that guy could have done he could have been the next big thing you know yep. we could be we could be talking about him on the same levels as argento and all the right. rest of a bit of a family tragedy which kind of pulled him out of making movies and stuff like that um and has kind of he's never really come back he's done some tv stuff but uh yeah that insanely insanely talented guy who brings all that surrealism of argento but actually brings a lot of narrative which argento doesn't bring along and like i say super cool things see them just having a small cameo in this movie i'm gonna say you know we always bring up the cast but if we haven't mentioned it before jennifer Connolly. this is one of her earlier things mm-hmm. donnie p donnie pleasant's been in here which i call him donnie yep. p because of another show i listen to <laughs> <laughs> Sorry about that. but this movie is very much very much like an 80s music video the way the, the things happen the sleepwalk scenes you know mm-hmm. are very very mtv looking um, the part where she walks out in the street and you get the super bright light behind her and you see the, like the silhouette behind her and all, very very striking image again it's Argento doing what he does best just making scenes look incredible you know the 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 visuals you see in this movie I think are extraordinary makes the movie its own for sure Johnny I I mean honestly as far as this movie goes one thing that I really like all the bugs and stuff and all the the animals but watching the behind the scenes I'm really impressed with how they did some of the stuff in this movie right and what, one of the effects is is a lot of apparently a lot of the swarm swarming scenes of like uh, the flies and things they did that with apparently uh it was like coffee grounds underwater and it like slowed down right. Oh. oh right! Yeah, so they that, took, to me, that's so they cool. Took it's, a, like, it's very innovative. Yeah, they took a fish tank and backlit it, and they would pour coffee grounds in it, and it would swirl in the water. Then they just overlaid that of the building, like when they're attacking the building and stuff. And that's how it's, that it's was so done. creative. Yeah, so cool. Yeah. And, and that's what I mean. Like the effects in this still hold up. I mean that those swarms look pretty Looks legit. Great. Yeah. Mm-hmm. For any of you out there that are that are saying, well, what are, are they even talking about anything? There's really no way to talk about the best things about this movie and still talk about the plot. Yeah. In essence, there's a killer killing girls. There's a girl who's going to a uh, a boarding school, um, and when she's at the boarding school, she hears about the killer. She meets an entomologist. Uh, she has a way of talking to bugs. They collude to try and figure out who the killer is. I mean, that's where we are right now. 
But none of these reasons, I mean, these are all just things that happen during this plot that really make it more interesting and, and more uh, unique than most movies you've probably seen in the last 15 years. <laughs> How about her jumping out of the car when the dudes pick her up? And she just yeah. jumps. Let's <laughs> <laughs> go. Let's uh, I, I love that. I love the, <laughs> the the kind of statement the movie's making about you know just just when you think things are bad, you've just escaped the killer. If two men will pick you up, they'll try and rape you in a car. Jump out. <laughs> um, you know, I was gonna say like, is that what they were trying to do? Like, like you know, so Jennifer Connelly's sleepwalking. She she wakes up. She escapes from the killer who finds her walking around, and she gets hit by a car and then they pull her in and, and then it's kind of like one of them saying, is she okay? And they're driving and then they kind of start like putting their hands on her and she's like, I'm sleepwalking. Like she's still sleepwalking. Yeah. And then, um, and then like, yeah, it kind of seems like they want to do something to her, but it also seems like they're weirded out by her too. I don't, I don't know what's going it's on. In that strange. Scene. Yeah. It's and a then, very, very, very strange scene. And then she just I say bails, the same thing whenever like a bunch of, Oh, sorry. No, go ahead. Go ahead. So I, I say the thing. I say the same thing. I'm sleepwalking whenever a bunch of like leather daddies grab me and try to like have their way. <laughs> <laughs> like I'm sleepwalking, and they're like, "Ha ha, we don't care." <laughs> well, it's, it's a fact that sexual predators do not like sexually assaulting sleepwalkers. Yeah, because <laughs> that would be wrong. Someone if they're sleepwalking. <laughs> oh, what are we laughing about here, y'all? I'm just. <laughs> I'm laughing because I'm imagining them uh, uh, not drawing the line at moonwalking. <laughs> sleep, sleep, moonwalking. Is that with Bruce, Will- Bruce Willis? It's like it's like I'm walking forward, but I'm really walking backward, and I'm asleep. So there you go, folks. This movie has got Jennifer Connelly, Donna, Donnie P, Bruce Willis, Booger. It's a great movie. Hell <laughs> me. <laughs> When the girls all form form a sorority so they can beat the jocks at their own game. I love that part. <laughs> they play We Are the Champions at the end. I like when Donald Pleasance is rolling through their uh, their boarding school uh, on a panty raid. <laughs> <laughs> him and, him and the, the champ are just grabbing all the underwear they can. Yeah, he's signing the, the laser pointer on all the, the panties so that, so that the chimp will go get them. Inga, get me those panties. And then... Um, and then he's like, Greta! Greta! <laughs> Try these on. These were Greta's. Oh, <laughs> oh no. Oh, no. Oh, what have we done? Okay. Danny, give us another reason to watch this movie. Oh, you what? I feel like Casey Kasem now. He's like, you want me to talk about that after a dead dog? <laughs> um, <laughs> um, you will never see a movie... With more sleepwalking and maggots. Right. <laughs> yeah. Even Fulci didn't have this many maggots in it. Well, apparently you haven't seen The Sleepwalking Maggot, which was a German film from 1938. <laughs> <laughs> it's one of my favorites. One of my favorites. Sorry, I, I, can't, I can't even talk to Danny anymore at this point. Greta! <laughs> <laughs> oh, I mean, Greta! <laughs> we have to, let, have to let Duncan talk that way. He's got the voice. Yeah. That's what we brought you here for, man, was to be our Donald Pleasance. I couldn't possibly understand what you're talking about. <laughs> well, that was good. That sounded just like it. <laughs> so far, reasons we got to watch the movie. We got a chimpanzee with a, with a straight razor. We got the last 30 minutes 
we got the opening scene. So we have the beginning and the end, which is good. The middle, a little sketchy. Um, we've got a killer Iron Maiden song, which is repeated in it, you know, to good effect. We've got Greta's memory. You know, we have to remember Greta because she really affected our entomologist character a lot. We got Jennifer Connelly and Donald Pleasance at work in this Italian masterpiece. We've got the effects. Um, for doing swarms of insects where they took things underwater and they swarmed them around and then they superimposed them as an innovative method. And then we've got a uh, sleepwalking and maggots Wow! together again for the first time. I just want to say, uh, you know, sexy uh, Daria Nicolodi freaking librarian look. Uh, it's like, it's like, you know how like today, what, what they basically started doing was uh, at some point <laughs> in the last five years, they were like, you know what makes women even more attractive? Nerd glasses. And they oh, think yeah. that they're being original and they're like that. No, this, no, 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 this happened. The 80s, in the 80s. man. Yeah, the 80s is where it was happening. Oh my god. 80s is when it worked. So I mean, happened. honestly, if, if uh, Daria Nickelodeon back then, if I met her, man, I would have given her another uh, freaky looking kid. <laughs> that's the uh, the next reason to watch the movie uh freaky little kid <laughs> freaky looking little kid yeah just to add to the weirdness of this movie like just what was wrong with him was i mean what was wrong with that kid for real i don't uh, know lupus? I, don't, I think really he had lupus <laughs> It's, the, it's, it's like the, the, the weirdness level wasn't high enough for Argento, so <laughs> just, he just decided to go for it. Okay, uh, he's, the, he's the only thing in the movie that's not an animal that's chained up. Right. <laughs> Johnny, I, yep. I would think that you would understand what happened to that kid because it, it it's pretty close to the whole right. Freddy Krueger story, right? Yeah. I mean, like, she was working in an institution and one of the inmates dragged her in and and had his way with her and and you know you know what happens when you're when you're raped in an institution you, yep. you get a, killed by a monkey you have yeah. a monster baby you get uh, <laughs> you get you have a cute little maggot face kid man we are going way off the rails on this one i, I wouldn't have thought i mean i know it's a crazy movie but wow. <laughs> well let me let me bring it back uh, i blame myself I blame <laughs> I blame you as well, Danny, if that makes you feel better. Um, you're supposed to be the voice of reason on the show, and you're setting I everything tried. up on it. Um, what I love about this movie is in the previous, in, the, uh, in one of the previous Argento movies, Tenebrae, um, in fact, the movie before this one, Tenebrae, uh, Argento does this slow-motion glass-breaking scene, which is absolutely phenomenal, and he's like that. Right. From now on, this must be in all my movies, <laughs> and we get loads of them in this movie. It's like, someone can't just get stabbed. They're going to get stabbed, their head has to go backwards in slow-motion through a plate glass window, and I love it. More yeah. of that, please. Yeah, absolutely. And I'm sure we'll talk about Tenebrae down the road, so... You may have to revisit oh, for that Tenebrae. one. You were, all, you were talking at the start about favourite Argento movie. Tenebrae is my favourite Argento yeah. movie. Um, I, I, so I think it's it's probably his most commercial giallo, if you can say that. Sure. Um, but, uh, you know, just uh, uh, that movie just blows my mind. Yeah. Um, and then to see why. That's why I kind of appreciate Phenomena. He'd kind of done the commercial Jallo movie, and then he's like, "That nah, let's just do the weird, strange, <laughs> supernatural Jallo movie," and, yeah. and that's what you get. It's just nuts, absolutely nuts. Next thing I had is the Great Sarcophagus. Ooh, the yeah. Great Sarcophagus, right? <laughs> so, uh, being that Jennifer Connelly can uh, talk to insects, 
in six. <laughs> Since Jennifer Connelly can talk to in six, uh, Donnie P hooks her up with uh, the great sarcophagus who can find a dead body for miles oh, yeah. around. <laughs> That's how we find out where all this is happening, where their killer lives and all this good stuff is a fly takes her to the house. Basically, she jumps on a bus, has the fly in this little box, and he, like, makes, you know, buzzing noises and stuff to let her know when they're, up, you're getting warmer. Up, you're getting colder. Up, you're getting warmer. So, uh, again, just a strange plot twist on this thing. And guess, yeah. guess what? The fly does take them to where the killer is. Where the killer was. Yeah, or was. Like- that whole like I'm gonna take my my little helper fly with me to to track down this killer thing is is weird, but it's par for the course for phenomena. Right. Mm-hmm. I've I've also got that is one bad inspector man. <laughs> when dude gets, <laughs> dude, when dude gets chained up, they've got him locked up because he's causing too much trouble for our killer. Because he's thinking his crazy thoughts. <laughs> thinking his crazy thoughts. <laughs> Anybody that my can s- beat. Their hand oh. till they break their thumb to get a pair of handcuffs off. That's a bad dude, man. Because I, if I sit here and just try to hit my hand, it just knocks the hand away from me. This guy's got enough strength to hold that hand solid enough where he can whack it with his other fist and break his thumb. That's a bad dude. Yeah. <laughs> so, so you've got you've got the killer. You've got the the entomologist. You've got the uh, the whole. Uh, Jennifer Connelly calls a swarm of, of insects to help her when she's being bullied by every girl in the school. Um, and and you, she finds the killer. You're right. They introduce the inspector. And we're getting to the last 30 minutes at that point. I mean, you know, th- this other stuff kind of ramps up the crazy to this last 30 minutes where I think we might have to go in sequence once we get to that. Yeah. Because it's just it's just net, neck breaking. You know, the last call, if anybody's got anything in the first 45 minutes of this movie to talk about, because w- once we get rolling with this, I don't think there's any going back. <laughs> That's very true. <laughs> oh. Hold on to your butts. <laughs> I, think, I, I think we're safe to go. So, uh, yeah. Daria Nicolodi tells her, tells her she's going to take her to the airport and get her a flight. It doesn't turn out that way. No. I'll go with the first thing in the last 30 minutes. So I've got Daria Nicolodi saying, oh, why are there why are there, there are sheets all over every mirror in my house? Well, it's because of my son who has a condition and I just leave him up there in his room with his crazy thoughts. <laughs> that, that That is like that's what she says when when Jennifer Connelly gets into her house. It's like, and if that doesn't make you want to run straight back out the door, I don't know what will. Right. Yeah. It's like walking in the Amityville house and hearing, get out. You go, hmm. <laughs> surely that didn't mean anything. In, in fairness, minus the sheets over all the mirrors, if, if you were to have walked into my house when I was growing up, when I was like maybe about 14 or 15, um, and listening to Deftones and Corn in my bedroom, my mum probably would have said the same thing. We would just leave him upstairs in his room. <laughs> we don't go near him. Did, did they also install like like metal storm shutters on every door and window? Of course. Oh well, yeah, <laughs> <It's> Scotland. <laughs> Scotland. My, my, 
My kids aren't teenagers yet. I haven't gotten there. Oh, you, you <laughs> invest will. now. Invest early. <laughs> oh, Good so advice. yeah, everything that happens in the house, man, is just bizarre. You get the point of, I think you, I think you have a fever. No, I don't. You need to take these pills. No, I don't. <laughs> yes, you do. No, I, I feel, I feel fine. I think I'll go for a walk. <laughs> You're not fooling anybody here in the Swiss Transylvania. <laughs> Nickelodeon's, Nickelodeon's performance is brilliant in this, because like, she's been fairly placid and docile and caring, you know, in the first half of this movie, and just minor inflections that she starts to add into her character in the last half an hour change her character completely. Right. I, I like. Uh, I like. I sometimes don't think she gets the credit. Yeah. As a like, some, people are like, oh well, our gentle wrote her and all these great parts and all the rest. But you know, she helped write quite a lot of this stuff, and some of the best kind of twists and all that that are perpetrated throughout our gentle movies are, are really coming from her because she's putting the you know Argento's putting all the camera angles and some of the plot in there, but she's really kind of taking the script ideas or the performance ideas and really developing them. And I think she's wonderful at the end of this movie. Yep, very true. Johnny, jump in. Uh, well, <laughs> one of the things at the end of the movie uh, is whenever uh, Jennifer Corvino ends up in that pit full of maggots and bones. And, oh, man. Uh, what, I mean, I understand they're just disposing bodies and stuff in there, but what was, I mean, where did they just have that pit installed or <laughs> where did they come from? <laughs> it seemed like it was very, very much there for that purpose. Yeah, I, I agree. It was, it was, it was a big concrete. It was a big concrete reservoir full of rotting bodies, and and again, I mean, I think we're getting into uh, to Texas Chainsaw Massacre two territory here, yep. where you know all of a sudden you've gone down the rabbit hole and there's no coming back to to the point where she actually even crawls down a hole. Yeah, so so Daria Nicoletti, you know, uh, Frau, what's her face, you know, says, "Hey, you have a fever, take this pill," and then she finds out she's being poisoned. She barfs the pill up and she runs away, and then. The phone gets ripped out of the wall. I mean, also, you know, Frau What's-Her-Face keeps hitting her in the back of the head, and it's like, <laughs> bam! She goes, down! And and then, you know, so, so she's like, oh, the phone, I've got to get to the phone so I can call worthless Mr. Shapiro. And, <laughs> and you know, it's so so Daria Nicoletti, like, like throws the, the phone in another room and locks the door. It's like, swings the latch in every window and door in the house. Like, it's like a steel barrier dropped in front of it, a shutter of some kind. And so, you know, then she goes off to talk to the inspector who's who's finally showing uh, who's figuring out what's going on. And so she tries to hook the phone and drops it down a hole right. and then chases it down the hole and she's crawling in the hole with maggots. And then at the bottom of the hole, like she finds the inspector's already been shackled up. And it is it is a in an odyssey of madness from that point on. It's just crazy. Yeah, it's it's Argento doing the like the, there is a weird kind of fairy tale esque element about the movie the, the whole dream scenarios the way the the, the sleepwalking quote unquote um, is carried out as well and it is almost like Argento towards the end of this movie takes like the the kind of essence of something like Alice in Wonderland and just makes it so sinister and so creepy right. and you know. T- t- to consume the pill and uh, and then and then that whole idea of like just crawling down that is it, it makes the Shawshank Redemption tunnel seem nice. <laughs> uh, that, that 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 tunnel of excrement doesn't seem as bad as that tunnel of maggots. Um, 
And yeah, it's 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 just like I think Danny summed up best is like the the last half an hour of this movie just moves at a pace. It's just like it's like horror after horror after horror and it's so surreal and so weird and it, you would get whiplash trying to, to keep up with the, the sheer amount of plot twists that start happening um, it's wonderful because of that but I, I, I think it comes back to it's really weird that this movie came out the year before Labyrinth like really 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 weird yeah. um, that Jennifer Connelly would do two movies which are Kind of, on some level, rooted in that kind of fairy tale idea, but, you know, one is far more conventional and the other <laughs> one's an original movie. One of them has yeah. David Bowie's cock bulge, and the other one is directed by Argento. That's <laughs> <laughs> the two comparisons. How do you tell the movies apart? The that's, how, that's how you tell the movies apart. That's how you tell them apart. I love the fact that this is what I was talking about with the, the, with the inspector breaking his thumb, because... Our killer has Jennifer Connelly down in the pit, and he's trying to keep her down there. And then the inspector is close enough, but he can't get to the killer. This is where he whacks his thumb so he can get a hand loose. Grabs the killer. Jennifer Jennifer Connelly gets out, and she decides to go save the little boy that's been hidden away. Right? Do you want to reveal the killer? No, no. No, I'm going to reveal the killer right now. Right, oh. right now. Okay. It's Greta. It's Greta. <laughs> That's where she's been this whole time. She made friends with Donald Pleasance. She can't stand chimpanzees. She got herself a straight razor before the chimpanzee does. And and she's been killing other girls from the thing. You know why? Because that because that boarding school sucked. And I don't blame her. I'd, I'd have killed girls at that boarding school, too. Great stuff. So anyways, Jennifer Conley gets away. Goes to try to save the little boy. He turns around. She does a lar- He does a large marge kind of thing at her. She takes off running. And this is one of my favorite scenes because Jennifer Connelly gets to take a little boat ride with the Macho Man. <laughs> <laughs> oh, and how crazy is that? <laughs> how crazy is that? And you got it's Ooh, almost yeah, like a- <laughs> dig it. <laughs> so little Freakazoid jumps on the boat. He's got his weapon of choice going to kill Jennifer Connelly, and she's kind of doing the Texas Chainsaw 2 thing where she's trying to crank the boat while he's trying to kill her. He stabs the gas tank on the boat. Gas starts going everywhere. He's about to kill her, and she lets out this scream, and all the insects from around the world (laughs) come and save her. Pretty much just eating the boy's face off for sure. Face it's off. like Ludo with his rocks and and um, and labyrinth. <laughs> Just saying, right, right. <laughs> Just so, saying. Um, little boy falls, you know, falls out of the boat. He's dying or whatever, and then uh, she tries to. She still tries to crank the boat, and the whole lake sets on fire. <laughs> yeah, uh, <laughs> the whole the whole. Kid killer in the water with the boat. It, it kind of kind of gives me some Friday the Thirteenth kind of feel right. there. I thought the same thing. Uh, it, it does have that kind of feel, <laughs> uh, even to the point of where she's swimming under the water and he even makes a last attempt of grabbing her or whatever. Feels very yeah. much like Friday the Thirteenth. So, uh, is that the ending of the movie? No. No. <laughs> no. 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 Johnny, where does it go next? 
Oh, uh, well, uh, she runs into a good old Daria Nicolodi, and uh, <laughs> she runs out. She runs into somebody who's not the person I just mentioned. <laughs> and uh, it doesn't matter who she runs into because a freaking chimpanzee slits her throat. <laughs> oh, we're, you, Miss, you can't miss Mr. The, Shapiro. Mr. Shapiro shows up and he comes running down the hill. And this is probably, and she's like, she's like, Mr. Shapiro. And she starts running toward him with her arms out like, oh, finally. I forgot about that guy. Yeah. Well, and, he's not in it for very long, is he? He just makes a little, he just makes a little jog down a hill and gets decapitated by the killer's weapon of choice. That's right, folks. A piece of sheet metal. Yeah. I mean, what the hell? <laughs> so, off goes Mr. the heads Shapiro. of Mr. Shapiro. <laughs> he made that sound. It did. It did. And, you know, I, I saw one of the, the lines from this movie quoted on IMDb, and, uh, and it was the line right after that, and it says, after decapitating Mr. Shapiro with a slide. I'm like, that what? was a slide, a slide? man. <laughs> we're... we're was it a slide for Thick Kid? Was it a slide for- <laughs> oh, he likes to play in the backyard. So I have this slide here that I also use to decapitate onlookers. I, I mean... Just beating what? somebody with a sandbox? Yeah. He, he's got his little knife on a stick. He's killing lizards. <laughs> but uh, So, long end of it, the killer has Jennifer Collie on the ground with a piece of sheet metal at her throat. About to do a little... I don't know, chopping dice deal here with chopping off her head or whatever. And then out of nowhere comes uh, comes Greta. No, comes the chimpanzee. <laughs> Inga. <laughs> That's Inga, not Greta. <laughs> uh, this is the part that if you watch this movie, uh, you are going to show this part over and over. Because no matter mm-hmm. how many times you tell people... The killer of this movie gets killed by a chimpanzee with a straight razor. A straight razor he found in a in a trash can in a park. Or <laughs> she found. Hmm, this will work. <laughs> so, so this goes back to the foreshadowing of before. You know where where uh, I said you know Donald Pleasant said that by his laser. She comes to kill Donald Pleasant because he's on the trail of the killer, his her son, and she stabs him with the the knife on the stick. Yeah, as he's he's trapped on his on his uh, wheelchair accessibility stairs, um, and and he shines the light on her face, and Greta sees it, or uh, Inga sees it because she's trying to bust in through the window, right? Not not Greta, uh, but and and so the the laser, you know, points out she'll never forget that face, and what, you know, next time she sees her, it's like, oh, it's on, <laughs> it's on like chimpanzee Kong. <laughs> I really actually, uh, <laughs> I really actually was pretty uh, bummed out when Donald Pleasant died the first time I saw this. It's well, sure. it's, it's kind of sad. I mean, yeah. with him trapped on that thing, I hate those. Whenever there's one of those, I'm putting my wheelchair on a platform to take it down the stairs in a movie. It doesn't bode well for somebody, right? No. We grew but up with- you know what though. I- I think that would be an awesome commercial for those lifts. <laughs> like if someone's going up the stairs and they just get jabbed in the gut with a big old knife on a stick. <laughs> How would that be a good commercial? I just would laugh a lot. I mean, it's kind of like, it's it's kinda like the life alert commercial. Uh, has this ever happened to you? 
Maybe it'd elevator. be a good commercial if they're trying to send somebody. Uh, they're trying to get people to upgrade to one with like a higher horsepower. Yeah. So it's like, <laughs> it basically catapults you up the stairs. It's for it's for elevators to be installed in your home. Like, don't get caught in this situation. <laughs> Who are you? <laughs> oh! <laughs> Brought to you by the elevator company. <laughs> Brought to you by the Coalition for Mothers Against Monkeys with Razor Blades. <laughs> Oh, it's brought to you by Marmar. It's awesome. Ming. Oh, put that on the on the Facebook page. It's awesome. Oh God. Okay. So, yeah, and and then after the. After the chimpanzee gets his revenge, it's over. <laughs> and there's there's That's a it. lot of there's a lot of things we're leaving out too that are just so bizarre to even describe. But I recommend this movie. I I I think you will enjoy it. It's just so bizarre. It's a well crafted movie making, just in a real bizarre story. I think OMC would ask, "How bizarre? How bizarre? <laughs> How bizarre?" <laughs> <laughs> that was corny as all. <laughs> that was I mean, so say you're watching this movie because you you heard this podcast and you're like, I've got to figure it out. If you don't go to the last thirty minutes first, which I do recommend for for serious, I mean, because then you'll you'll say, how did this all come together? And you'll be willing to to go through some of the weirdness that starts it out. That's just my opinion. The Swiss Transylvania is what they keep calling this place because of the wind. And it keeps coming up. Just, just listen for it. I just have to throw that in there. And, and it, has, in, it has nothing to do with the story. That's what's amazing about it. I was like, people are crazy when the winds kick up. They call it the Swiss Transylvania. <laughs> <laughs> like it isn't crazy enough. You got a sleepwalking girl running around and a little mutant kid. I mean, do you really need the wind to be to be a factor of people being nuts? <laughs> I had to become a entomologist who studies cadaveric insects. <laughs> so now I have to help the police find poor, poor Greta. Poor Greta. The only thing that made this movie better is when he was sitting there with the police and they were eating Wendy's. That had been the only thing that made it better. <laughs> All right. Anybody got else they want to say about this masterpiece? No, I mean, I was just going to say at the very end, you know, after uh, Shapiro runs up and gets off, it'd be awesome to see Jareth standing behind her. Sarah, I told you to turn back. (laughs) (laughs) She's like, I thought I escaped the labyrinth, Jareth. (laughs) You have no power over me. (laughs) And I have power over bugs. (laughs) Oh my god! Oh, or, or if they replaced they replaced uh, the the chimpanzee with Mister Thomas from uh, from Labyrinth. Ah! <laughs> <laughs> Come on, Hoggers! Yes, it's Hoggle. It's Hoggle. Mister Tumnus is from the Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe. Oh, what's his name? In Thingamajig, it's Hoggle. My name. Huggled. No, the wee the wee wolf, the wee wolf guy who thinks. Oh, oh, uh, Serbidimus. Serbidimus, that's it. Ha! It's like yeah. I love Serbidimus. Yeah, they don't have... say I didn't warn you. 
<laughs> that, whoever did that, that was scarily good. That, that was me. I'm going to take it. Yeah. <laughs> that was scary. He should do a synopsis for the next show you do. Just it was that. Johnny. It was Johnny. <laughs> oh, yeah. Just putting that out there. He should do one. Um, I think, like, and and all seriousness coming back at the end here. I think phenomena is is the the natural progression of Argento, if I can say that. Sure. Um, like I say, he's already, but by this point, he's already kind of taken the kind of the, the jalo to probably by the time you get to Tenebrae, he's taken it to pretty much all the places that it can kind of go at that point, and he's already dabbled with some supernatural stuff in Suspiria and definitely in Inferno, that the next step logically for me is to try and combine the two, um, which is what he does here in Phenomena. He, he does some sort of weird amalgamation between the two styles and it's crazy and it's all over the place and Danny's right, the beginning of this movie doesn't really give you anything which um, you know, you could just jump to the last half an hour and really not feel like you have missed too much. I think as a full experience, though, I think just sit down, watch the full thing, understand that there's going to be kind of highs and lows to the script. It's an Argento movie after all, but it's just so wonderfully weird in bits that there are very few movies, um, even in Argento's canon, that kind of top how weird phenomena is and that speaks volume volumes in itself as how a guy who is generally known as as creating some of the most terrifying dreamlike movies uh, can create terrors even beyond them and and what is essentially a, a murder mystery who done it i think that the writer of the movie got the idea <laughs> From a song from the Bee Gees. Oh, man. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's in the movie too, folks. We'll leave you to, to figure that one out. <laughs> we ready for a rating? You just took my idea for a, song, for a rating, man. <laughs> yeah, I knew I would. Oh, man. I'm, I was going to do it too, so I, I knew. But <sighs> Okay, I have to think of something else then. I'll jump in there. My rating for the movie is that this movie is as good at finding dead bodies as the Great Sarcophagus. (laughs) (laughs) I'm going to give it 28 the biggest laser pointers in the world. That thing is huge, man. (laughs) It it casts like this this, little circle of red. Like it's not a pinpoint. It's like this big old like... Like it's like the size of a 50 cent piece. And, and the box is bigger than a pair of binoculars. I mean, it's just great big box. <laughs> By state of the art laser pointer. <laughs> All right. What do you guys? I'm going to give it 12 shackled Jason ripoffs. Oh, yeah. <laughs> he's not shackled for long, man. He just pulls that crap right out of the wall. Oh, yeah. He's like a, he's like a Rottweiler. <laughs> oh, now we're going to have people calling us because we're hating on Rottweilers. Oh, no. <laughs> and we're, don't, we're, call. don't call with that. Don't call with that. <laughs> <laughs> Just let it go. Let it go. It's only a podcast. It's only a podcast. Ah. Uh, I give it 10 not bad Scottish accents. Uh, he's, he does. He does not bad. He does not bad. Let's put it that way. Which is, it should be surprising. He is British, but he, he does it in a way which, let's put it this way, he sounds more authentically Scottish than Degree Scott does or Gerard Butler. <laughs> he he kind of understates it. You know, like all of his lines are, 
they're, they're not thrown out there very hard, you know. Yeah. Oh, you know, then there was, there was great times. So, like, you know, it kind of has like a, like a muted quality to it already. Yeah. But, it but was. you know, like, oh. it's not as good as Mel Gibson's, that's for sure. Oh, why did you do that? You <laughs> son of a bitch. You son of a bitch. Why did I keep coming on here to get abused by Bennett? Bennett strikes again. <laughs> Listen, um, listen here, Bennett. I'm not going to shoot you. But, uh, <laughs> let off some steam, Bennett. <laughs> let off some steam, Bennett. Amazing. <laughs> Amazing. <laughs> My work here is done. Oh. Yeah, I'm, I'm sorry. <laughs> oh. All right, Brian Blessed. Jump in here before we get too crazy. Like we haven't gotten crazy. What do you think of Phenomena? Do, 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 do. The hunter becomes the hunter. I kind of figured he'd go with that one. <laughs> so I get it as well. Yeah, well, you know, he, he's a Jennifer Connelly fan, which, who isn't? And if you like see that. her in uh, Career Opportunities, man. Woo. Yep. I'm with you. Seen her in, you ever seen her in Dark City? Oh, yep. yeah. She's great in Dark City. I mean, yeah! looks gorgeous. Crowd you ever seen her in Phenomenon? <laughs> <laughs> I guess we're done. (laughs) (laughs) All right, folks, we'll be right back. Hi, I'm John McGregor, founder of the Primate Shave Club. I'm sure by now you've heard of those other shave clubs that send you a new razor for a buck a month. That's not us. We actually send out a primate once a week to shave your face smoother than a baby's bottom. Our razors aren't those multi-layered blade razors with two, four, hell, even ten blades to lift and cut for the closest shave. Our razors are modeled after your grandfather's razor. Do you actually think you need a vibrating handle, a flashlight, built-in Wi-Fi, and laser guidance to get the closest shave possible? Hell, your handsome-ass grandfather had one blade and hooping cough. Have you ever tried to shave with hooping cough? It ain't f***ing easy. Now... Back to the monkey. That's right. I said monkey. Cause I'm a believer in our product. See what I did there? No, Mickey Dolans isn't coming to your house to shave you, but a full-fledged red-ass baboon. With a razor, he's strop-sharpened on the ride over. You'll wish you would have signed up years ago. Remember our slogan, shaves as close as an ape for your money back. Ape shave my face. Now I'm a believer, not a trace. He took his time. Faces smooth. Woo! I'm a believer and quite the bleeder I'd may die. That's the Primate Shave Club. It's Darwin approved. Go to www.com shavedredassbaboon.com and sign up today. Phenomena. 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 everybody man this has been a blast uh i can't thank our our guest enough man we just had a great great time of course we've recorded way more than we're going to use but we've had a great time just (laughs) catching up with each other and just having a good time so uh 
Johnny and Duncan, man, we appreciate you guys coming on. Thanks very Thank much, you. guys. This has been a blast and always a always a pleasure chatting with my homeboy Johnny Krug. Yeah. Oh yeah, you guys are awesome, man. It's awesome to talk to you guys. And, and always cool to talk Argento with cool people. There you go. So and like we've said before, Duncan's got podcast under the stairs and 57 other shows that you can check out <laughs> 54 54 come on let's not be silly here which i am digging the uh, the westworld thing you and bo got going on i think it's pretty cool yeah it's because um, both myself and bo don't have enough to do except do another show exactly. which we actually have to we have to do one weekly for that as well which is you know wow. that's a great idea <laughs> opera omnia is excellent loving it brand new show that's great thank you Thank you. It's uh, it's proven to be a bit more fun than uh, <laughs> doing the nasty. Better quality of, of movies. I have to say, sure. Evil Speak. Oh, <laughs> although Evil Speak's not a bad movie. It's just, it's just weird that it's banned. It was weird that it was banned. Yeah, yeah, that movie no doesn't sense. have enough bad things in it to make it banned. Yeah. It's a fun movie, not a banned me movie. Um, but yeah, so the fact yeah, that all there's a like- Michael Mann. The fact that there's a Clint Howard movie that was banned is just hysterical it enough. Make any sense? Well, it goes to show how bonkers the UK were back then. Oh, and our buddy Johnny Krug, like I said, check out Kruger Nation without a doubt, and uh, hopefully we're gonna kickstart that and get him to crank out a whole bunch of new shows. Uh, just looking forward to that too. So, Danny, you got anything else you want to add? Well, you know, I have to go out back and get my piece of sheet metal because uh, there are some <laughs> people in my neighborhood that need decapitation. But um, just take your slide, that, man. Take your slide. You take a slide rampage. Oh yeah, it's a slide. <laughs> slide rampage. <laughs> <laughs> oh, all right, folks. We're gonna say goodbye. So, Johnny, see you later. Duncan, see you later. Peace. Bennett, you can bite me. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> And we need to get Andy Blockley back on sometime. Oh, yeah. Well, I, I've, I've heard a rumor, and we've been talking about it for a while, actually. It's not a rumor, but we're talking about doing all the Naked Gun movies together and getting Blockley oh, and, and McLeish and, and Krug with us as well. That'll be a blowout for sure. I love it. <laughs> I've been swimming in Laurel sewage. I love it. I love it. it. Uh, I love it. <laughs> I love it. (laughs) Everybody Uh, say good night. Good night. Good night. Good night. Good night. (laughs) See y'all later. Yes. Is uh it's kinda of weird question. Is Colombo is Colombo big in Scotland? Oh yeah. Okay. Oh. Yeah, Columbo. Okay. What? Oh I have a, a friend of mine who's in Scotland right now and she said she's watching Colombo. Yeah, yeah. They show it at weird times over here. It only really comes on at the weekend. It's usually on Saturdays and for some reason they usually put it on about this time. That's awesome. And that's the only time of the week it comes on and it's reruns. I mean, they've played them God knows how many times over here now. Um, but chances are that... I think I've seen every Columbo episode at least three times and it's purely for randomly flipping through the TV and going, Oh, Columbo's on! I should watch this one. He's a killer. So... That's I got awesome. one more question for you, sir. She, I got one more question. <laughs> Hate to buy you, man. That's ma'am. awesome. <laughs>
I sincerely doubt they're making new Columbo episodes, so there would have to be. <laughs> <laughs> if, if they remade Columbo, it would be like Vin Diesel. <laughs> yeah, Peter. Could you imagine? I think Peter Falk is still alive. Well, he should be making more Columbo. Wait, what am I thinking? I'm, oh, I'm thinking of Kojak. Yeah, Columbo, yeah, he's got the eye. Yeah. I think they both have eyes, but I, in, in fairness, in fairness, I, the, the idea of Vin Diesel and that sort of weird, horribly like nicotine stained trench coat is making me want to see that right now. Or <laughs> <laughs> like, like Vin Diesel as Columbo uh, in Fast and Furious Nine would be amazing. It'd be great. Let's do it. So there's not a whole lot of there's not a whole lot of different directions they can even go if they keep that series up. So you might pitch that to them. <laughs> like, yeah, yes, Peter Peter Fogg died five years ago. They've oh. literally they've literally talked recently about Paul Walker's ghost being in the movie. Oh gosh! <laughs> like I don't know if it's like a flashback or something like that, but I'm like, come on, guys. The, I think that well that was the previous movie, wasn't it? Because he died during shooting, so they put. <laughs> Did they not put his, like, the, the cast his brother or something? in, in yeah, two of his brothers. Based? It's like, oh my god. Man, you should, yeah, just cut his character out. I, I can't know. watch I these. I can't watch those. I just can't. Uh, I, I think I checked out after three. Um, I checked out after one. Yeah, I never saw anything past one. <laughs> those movies are garbage. <laughs> Danny just comes out and says it. <laughs> I, think, I think Lois might have a soft spot for him. I, I think... But I, I can't. But she likes as much as I made her watch with me. Well, as as much as I've made her watch with me, I just can't do it. I, I can't do it. <laughs> <laughs> she's been. I mean, I'll ask her when she comes home. But I do think she's been like that. Looks like fun. We could watch that. I'm like, let's find something else. The only way so, we can make it any better is if Tommy Lee Wallace directed <laughs> the next one. <laughs> Um, or Tommy Lee Jones. Oh, hey, Tommy has, Jones. has his assistant called you at all? Or? Tommy Lee Jones is Columbo. <laughs> Tommy Lee Jones would never play Columbo. So, yeah. so uh, we need the, to search out every in-house, outhouse, barnhouse, farmhouse. That would work. How about Fred Savage as Columbo's grandson? <laughs> or check out every clubhouse, Mickey Mouse house club. <laughs> Shanty house. It could yeah. it could come like straight from the Princess, Princess Bride, Bride. Movie. and it could be like, "Hey, remember that time when your grandpa? Well, your grandpa died, and he left you his detective badge. So, so now you have to go be a detective, right? Because that's how that happens. You pass that down to your children. Yeah, I, either that, or it's passed out the Highlander. You have to chop the <laughs> detective's head off, and then you right. become the detective. The, the first episode could be like a stand-in for Peter Falk from the back, like a gray-haired guy, and, and Fred Savage could be chopping his head off, and then he'd be like, "Now I have to start solving crimes." <laughs> now, now I have to start solving crimes, and always have one more question while I'm leaving the leaving the room. I got, I got one more question. <laughs> Take the body, ma'am. <laughs> He, oh, he the glass eye appears in his in his socket as 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 he, as he heads Peter Falk. <laughs> uh, uh, I'm really glad I talked to you guys this morning. <laughs> well, I've got 13 minutes of a blooper reel already. I don't have to do anything. It'll clean up nicely. <laughs> That's what my wife says about me, but then she's proved wrong every single time. Oh well. She married you for a reason, so. 
Yeah, we're still. Some people say about Dari Nickelodeon, but then they 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 clean her up and they get Judd Hirsch. (laughs) (laughs) 